Welcome to Triple Threat Theater. Triple Threat Theater. Triple Threat Theater. However, I believe there is a more immediate threat. Thousands and thousands of feet of film consumed. Hours and hours of work expended by technicians. And once it's been erased and shredded, it can be done all over again. As all of you know, I've devoted much of my life to convincing the world that travel through film was not only possible, but necessary to survive. Welcome to Triple Threat Theater, Episode 4. I'm Joe Daxberger. And I'm Ryan Miller. Welcome back, friends. We've Welcome. Milzy? Yeah? We made it. <laughs> Was for the goal? Uh, Sure. Cool. It's a, it's a good, solid goal. Yeah, sounds good to me. No, it's no, uh, I don't know, what do you maniacs up to, 450 sidetracks? <laughs> By the time this episode releases, uh, I don't know what it'll be at, but uh, we are <laughs> over 450. We're on our way to 500. I like it. <clears throat> um, speaking of which, though, mm. uh, let me let me allow me to break the fourth wall a bit here. Oh, please for a moment. do. Um, so Joe Dax and I are uh, banking these episodes, these first couple, just to make sure that we actually have a podcast to release before it mm. begins releasing, and. Um, because of that fact, um, we never got to mention on an episode before that we have an awesome theme song Indeed. for the show, uh, written and made by our buddy uh, King Megatrip. The kingest of kings. Um, DJ and roofer and now comic writer extraordinaire. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's got, um, more, he's got more titles, right? He's good. I remember uh, his business card said something like... Uh, Superpowered roofing DJ or something like that. <laughs> I mean, I would certainly give him like, uh, I'd say he's a Comic Con facilitator. <laughs> well, he was. Oh, I don't. I don't oh, know oh, if he exactly okay. has that title anymore. Unfortunately, after the events of two years ago at the Boston Con, but well, until we get him to start another con, yeah, we'll see. I'm, that I'm ready. Former, but... I'll sign up first. Yeah, and now he's a theme song creator. Yeah, podcast jingle creator. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, Megatrip, very much for doing that for us. Uh, it, it was it one of the things excellent. I was concerned about actually mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. getting done because I have no talent in that area. <laughs> and he was uh, happy to do it for us. And, um, you know, we didn't actually think of asking him until after recording episode three. Right. So even though you've now heard it on the first three episodes and the beginning of this one, uh, we just got it like two yeah. weeks ago. So. so let us officially acknowledge how good it is. Yes. I couldn't have been happier. It was his first attempt and I, I <laughs> didn't think we needed to go any yeah. further than no. that. No. First draft. I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, it was everything I dreamed of mm-hmm. and more. I, I must agree. So, <laughs> well, now that we've established, we have the best, uh, theme song ever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we, we could just jump right into this episode. All right. Uh, so the theme predetermined from the end of last episode for this show is Love in the Age of Science. Mm. Uh, Dax, you want to tell people what that title means? I do. We got here three movies from the 80s. All yes, about yes. the, uh, I, I guess you could say the intersection of love and technology. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this, is, this is a theme that I came up with because... 
I wanted to watch. I need basically I'd been wanting to watch for a couple years the movie Electric Dreams and I needed an excuse to do it. It's one of those movies that I had just been wanting to see and never making time for. So uh this episode we're going to be reviewing Zapped from 1982, Electric Dreams from 1984 and Weird Science from 1985. Mm-hmm. All of which involve as you said love and technology. Yeah. Well, how can I phrase this best? I don't know, but I can't wait to hear whatever it is. Um, I'll come out and say I don't think there's a clear winner in this whole bunch. <laughs> oh, oh, now let's not skip ahead, <laughs> buddy. You're you're you got to bury the lead here. Uh, I have much to say about the three of them. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I just don't think that. For me, well, we should might as well just get right into it. Of Let's course. talk it out, bud. You can okay. you can figure this out as we go. Right. <laughs> um, chronological order. Yes. Uh, so first up, we have Zapped from 1982. Can you just leave me alone, please? Barney, you can't expect to keep a thing like this to yourself. This is it. Mind over matter. The power to move things at will. Hey, Barn. I was just passing by and I couldn't help overhearing. Telekinesis, huh? Hey, how did it happen? I don't know. Well, there was an explosion and uh, well, I didn't think anything of it. But that must have been it because after that, things started happening. Peyton, I can make things fly around. I, I can move things. Barney! We'll shock the scientific world. We can prove that telekinesis exists. Now look, I don't want anybody else to know about this. But Barney. Yeah, he's right. There'd just be a lot of publicity. We gotta keep this thing to ourselves. First question, had you ever heard of this movie before? No. <laughs> this is a movie that uh, I've, I've spent many hours over the years uh, just looking up uh, ever since letterboxd uh started up the website that i use to like you know log all the movies i've seen and write reviews and stuff ever since that cropped up a couple of years ago that's a great place to do this but i've always like just looked at lists online and and like gone down the rabbit hole on imdb clicking on like if you like this you might like this and just finding like weird random movies and there is this whole like subsection of comedies, largely from the 80s, but even into the 90s, of just like, you know, sex comedies, just mm-hmm. like some of the most horrible looking stuff you've ever seen. Yeah. Many of them have like the word beach in the title. Mm. <laughs> um, in fact, the guy that directed Zapped, his name is Robert J. Rosenthal, only ever directed one other movie, and it is a se- it is another sex comedy, I believe, called Malibu Beach. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the poster is just like a girl in a bathing suit from behind with the beach in front of her. Um, Let me write this one down for a future episode. (laughs) And there are, you know, there's a ton of these movies. You know, a couple of them probably end up being, you know, standing out from the pack and being more popular. But largely, it was probably just a cheap, easy way to throw a movie into, like, drive-in theaters and make some money off a bunch of uh, horny, like, teenage kids in the 1980s. Mm -hmm. Um, But... Because I'm me and because I'm crazy, I have a strange attraction to like all weird subgenres of movies, largely from the 80s. That is true. And uh, this is just a movie that I've wanted to watch ever since I saw the poster. 
which is like two guys, the two main characters leaning into like a high school classroom window and one of them using his telekinetic powers to lift a, a high school girl's skirt. Mm-hmm. And it's a, um, it's a nice like airbrushed 80s t-shirt kind of image. Yeah. Made way better by the fact that it is not just a photograph or a collage yes. of photographs or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I've, I've been wanting to see this one for a while as well. Um, it's a basic premise. Yeah, hit uh, very pe- simple. Hit the people with a simple premise. <laughs> um, Scott Baio is a high school kid and he's really into science. So he has like access to his own lab in his high school. And there he is performing it's really weird he's performing tests on mice to see what the effects of alcohol on people who go scuba diving is apparently so he's got like little fake mice with like scuba helmets on you know like a tank of water mm-hmm. um and long story short uh he there's a lab accident and there's like an explosion it's basically the the origin story of the flash from dc comics Um, some beakers fall over and there's like a big explosion. And then when he wakes up in this case, instead of being super fast, he has telekinetic powers. Yeah. Even though I know we're trying to keep this simple, but I must say this only happens because the gym teacher comes in and as he's looking for his, his hidden whiskey (laughs) somehow dumps. What was it that falls in? He accidentally dumps. It's like, it's a, it's like a bottle of green liquid that's just labeled like uh, marijuana oil or something. Because also in this lab, which he basically has access to all his own mm-hmm. and seemingly based on a scene later in the movie, only Scott Bayo's high school student character has a key to it. Like even right. the principal can't get in at one point yeah. when he wants to go in and look at like his prized orchids they're growing. Somehow that's a great idea. Yeah. Um, like Scott Baio's character is also secretly growing marijuana with some kind of like rapid growth uh, hormone liquid stuff that he's created that he's hoping to get like a scholarship from and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, yeah, he, the, the gym teacher played by Scatman Crothers. <laughs> um, the legend himself. Yeah. Keeps a bottle of alcohol in there and he's like rummaging for it on a shelf, accidentally dumps some kind of. And that's another thing. Like, if he's trying to keep the marijuana hidden, like, he's got it behind some other plants in the cabinet, Mm -hmm. but he's just clearly got a glass, like, container labeled, like, marijuana oil or something on it. Like an open-top THC juice bottle. Yeah. So, Scatman Crothers accidentally drops some of that liquid into the growth hormone, Mm -hmm. I believe. Mm -hmm. And then later, um, Scott Baio's best friend, played by uh, Willie Ames, who co-starred with him on Charles in Charge. Um, also he's, he's just openly drinking a beer in the school as another high school student. (laughs) And like when, when Scott Baio turns his back as a joke, Willie Ames pours a little bit of beer in the concoction too. Mm -hmm. Um, so the combination of marijuana, beer and growth hormone, somehow when it crashes to the ground, it creates a horrible looking explosion. The wild eighties. Yeah. Just like back when just they would take like uh, any kind of weird like 2001 a space odyssey trippy visual effects mm-hmm. and just throw that over any scene to give you the impression something unusual is happening <laughs> right this isn't <laughs> just your average smoke yeah and then he wakes up with uh telekinetic powers and it took me a lot longer into the movie than it probably should have for me to realize that this is kind of like a 
like a humor, like a comedy movie parody of Carrie. Yes. It took me quite a bit. Not, I don't think I realized it until the, uh, till the end, the prom scene. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> because like at the end of Carrie, you've seen Carrie. Yes. Oh yes. At the end of Carrie, you know, she has telekinetic powers and she's like a introverted young girl and gets the pig blood poured on her. Mm-hmm. Sorry if I'm spoiling Carrie for anyone. <laughs> And um, then she freaks out and uses her telekinetic powers to, like, punish all the kids who, like, laugh at her and mistreat her. So at the end of this movie, to skip ahead momentarily, um, they're at the prom. And at the end of, like, the story, after, like, the story of, like, the love interest and everything is pretty much wrapped up for no good reason, Scott Bayou's character just decides to use his telekinetic powers to rip everyone's clothes off in the prom. There's not a single... Good reason, like you said. <laughs> I'm not even sure why he started to do it. Is it because he got bonked in the head with something? Well, okay, so I thought this was going to be a, um, uh, what's the, uh, the, the, the kid's uh, baseball movie with the dude from American Pie where he, like, breaks his arm and then he can pitch super fast, uh, oh, Rookie wow. of the Year. Rookie of the Year. Like, in that movie, you know, he, like, falls and he hurts his arm and then he can, like, pitch like a pro baseball player. And then in the end of the movie, he falls and hurts his arm again and it's like, oh, now my power is gone. I thought it was going to be one of those because the <laughs> the one girl throws, a, like, a half a watermelon at him and hits him <laughs> in the head during the prom. Uh-huh. And I thought in that moment, like, oh, he's going to lose the power here. Right. But then he doesn't, and he uses the power to take everyone's clothes off. I don't know why. Just everybody is running around naked, and, like, Scatman Crothers is there, like, trying to get an eyeful, and his wife is all pissed off at him. Uh, um, I think we'll just, just say towards with that ending, he also – does he catch a fire hose in the forehead? Yeah. And that makes, that makes him think he loses his powers? I'm not sure if it makes him think he lost him or if he's just lying to the girl that he's with. Like, yeah. I thought, okay, he got hit in the head a second time. This time he definitely lost the powers. But then when she's not looking, he, like, grabs his handkerchief out of his pocket using his powers again. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, so he still has the powers. Right. I, I don't I don't know. I, I don't really get it. I mean, I mean, we gave you the beginning and the end. The middle is just like, a, I guess, a kind of lot of running around. Mm-hmm. Some power stuff. They go to the the local, the county fair, where uh, his buddy tries to seduce the popular cheerleader mm-hmm. by using Scott Bayo for his powers. Yep. Which is, um, you know, there's some there's some great uh, 1982 CGI, uh, you know, tennis balls or whatever uh, carnival tricks. You know. Oh yeah. Also, the uh, the baseball game scene where, Oof. I mean, oh, he's boy. straight up using his power to make the ball just, like, stop in midair, and he's, mm-hmm. like, lifting players to catch the ball. Nobody questions it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> it would have been even better if there was just, like, they had, like, the one guy off to the side that was noticing and is like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, everyone was just kind of rolling with it. Like, the balls are bouncing all over the yeah. place. and They're just hanging in midair, waiting for someone yeah. to hit it. It's just like, all right. Yeah, they, they, they aren't hiding it at all. The movie doesn't have a whole lot of tact. No. I was watching, um, I was like, all right, Zapped, this is how you're going to give it to me. <laughs> all right. Yeah, in the middle, it's basically just, um, so, you know, Scott Bayo and his buddy Willie, or the, the guy uh, that Willie Ames plays, Peyton, 
they are obsessed with like the beautiful blonde bombshell knockout in their class played mm-hmm. by Heather Thomas. Can I give a side note? Please. Of all movies, Zapped, I'm watching and I go, wow, she looks familiar. Uh-huh. She just random kind of 80s blonde, pretty, whatever. Come to find out after the fact, she was like uh, one of the stars of Lee Major's show. The, um, the Fall Guy. The Fall Guy, which I watched when I was a little kid. Really? Yeah. I think my mom must have been into it or my older brother. But, like, I know for Lee, a lot of people, Lee Majors is, like, the bionic man, I think. Mm-hmm. For me, fall guy all day. <laughs> so, of course, I it, it, I knew enough to be like, I know who that, I've seen her before. Sure enough. Girl from the fall guy. It's funny. I, I know of the fall guy. I've mm-hmm. never seen an episode of the fall guy. I, I did my due diligence and I looked up like the, some of the different actors in this movie who I wasn't familiar with. Mm-hmm. And I did see that like, okay, so the, the primary cast of this movie, you got Scott Bayo and Willie Ames as the two friends. Yep. Then you got the girl we were just talking about, Heather Thomas, who's like the girl that they both want. And then you've got Felice Schachter, who is like, you know, the nerdy girl who Scott Bayo is going to end up with in the end. Yeah. And it's that typical, like, as soon as she takes off her glasses and right. let her hair down, she's beautiful. Yeah. She, I mean, she's already gorgeous, but they're, you know, she's got glasses and. And her hair is like yeah. up in yeah. like a not sultry way. Right. So, so everybody. And, and she works for like the school paper. So she's nerdy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny because like the, the, uh, the best friend, Willie Ames, is like a photographer for like the school paper and stuff, which. And he's like a cool guy, but I feel like the photographer in high school is always the stereotype of like the nerd, like Peter Parker or something. Right. That no one wants you around, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So all four of them, um, I was looking them up to be like, oh, what other movies have these people done? Because even Scott Baio, I've never seen Charles in Charge in my life. Oh, similar to to Fall Guy. Not familiar with it at all. Like I literally didn't even know the plot of it until tonight when I looked it up. (laughs) Okay. Um, but he was also in like Happy Days. Um, yes. Joni loves and, Chachi. Yeah. Well, he was Chachi. Uh, mm-hmm. I have seen Happy Days before. Um, Willie Ames also on Charles in Charge and was all on uh, Eight is Enough as like a kind of large role. Mm-hmm. Um, Felice Schachter was her biggest thing was she was on The Facts of Life for like three seasons. Oh. And then Heather Thomas was on over 100 episodes of The Fall Guy. None of them ever did anything else really in film. Like, yeah. at most, I think Scott Bayo has maybe like 15 film credits, but Zapped might honestly be the biggest name on there aside from yeah. like Super Babies, G- Baby Geniuses 2 or something. Yeah, I could have told you, like, I, I knew Scott Bayo from Charles in Charge because I watched that when I was a kid. And I think he plays himself in a couple episodes of Entourage. I think that might have been the last time uh. I saw him. Yeah, I think he's him. he's one of those guys like since I'd never really seen the shows he was on for the most part. Um, it's like Scott Bayo. I've always heard that name and known that he was like, you know, known for like 80s television and stuff, but just never really knew who he was. But mm-hmm. now I have context that most people probably don't. He's the guy from Zapped to me. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, but Can yeah, I-, I just thought it was interesting that all four of the main stars of this movie are like mostly known for television and this oh. this almost feels like their foray into film and then the movie wasn't super well received so right. they just kind of faded back to tv <laughs> well as i could say after seeing zapped i could see why they didn't make it into <laughs> the movie realm um can i tell you my favorite part of this movie 
What's that? Scatman Crothers. <laughs> he was fun. I like him. Not only, um, well, I just want to say, possibly the funniest part of this movie was the recurring mention of his love for salami. <laughs> and wieners. <laughs> and wieners. Dogs. I mean, for whatever reason, this this movie has a crazy script. It definitely does. Some of the stuff that's in this movie is bonkers. Mm-hmm. Especially Scamming Crow is going on and on about salami and wieners. Well, there's a great scene where, um, so at one point, one of the teachers discovers that Scott Bayo is growing marijuana in his mm-hmm. lab. So he and uh, Bernadette, who is uh, the quote-unquote nerdy girl, they run down. Instead of like throwing it away or doing something else with it, they decide to run into the basement of the school and throw the marijuana in the furnace to burn it. And then, of course, uh, Scatman Crothers comes in and finds them in the like the that the room. boiler room. Yeah, like the boiler room. And he thinks that they were just like getting it on. So he like he's like winking and nodding and congratulating <laughs> Scott Bayo. The two of them leave and then he sees smoke coming out of the furnace. He's like, What's that? So he opens it up and the room is just filled with smoke. And then we're treated to Scatman Crothers' like weed dream. Mm-hmm. Where, Which is the best weed dream you'll ever see. Autumn yeah, he's like ever. what he what is he riding a bike and Albert Einstein is there? Uh-huh. And then I think is it his wife is yes. in like a vehicle chasing him, firing hot dogs at him out of right. a bazooka, and she's dressed up like a Viking <laughs> because he's not allowed to have hot dogs Dude. because his wife says they cause cancer or something. I mean, they and, got the, they got the best Einstein lookalike money could buy in the eighties. I think is <laughs> perfect. Um, I don't know that guy's name. I don't remember it off the top of my head, and I didn't write it down. But the guy who played Einstein. I did click on his name because I was like, who is he? Um, At one point, he was in the Guinness Book of World Records for having played the most roles of anybody with like over 3,000 performances. What? Yeah, I don't remember his name. I think it was Jan something because when I first saw it, I thought it was a woman. Wow. But there you go. Random trivia fact about some random person (laughs) from the movie Zapped. Um, But there's things like a lot of the... Special effects, if you want to call them special in this movie. Ooh, let's just call them effects. Yeah, are just, you know, they're pretty bad. They're things like floating around on wires and stuff and like reverse animation. There were moments where they used actual animation that I thought was kind of cool looking. And one of those moments was the hot dogs the hot being dog. fired at yeah, Scatman Crothers. They like danced after him in the street kind of. Yeah, and like they were like flying from the viewer's point of view and they were like hand animated. So they were like stretching to show the speed of them. And it's a weird thing to praise the movie for, but I liked that. Mm -hmm. Um, Similarly, when the baseball was moving in fast motion and it basically just turned into like a yellow blur. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of neat looking. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Reminds you of something like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Very much. Um, but God, there are some weird scenes in this movie. Like, uh, okay. So early in the movie, when he first gets the powers and he goes home, um, I think his parents ground him or like he's, he's up in his room and he's sad for some reason. And he's got a, like a spaceship model on his desk, Oh boy, which is a combination of the millennium Falcon and the star Trek enterprise. I don't know if you noticed that. I, I just remember, no, I missed the millennium Falcon. I just mean. Thought it was yeah, the, a knockoff Enterprise. The disc on the quote-unquote Enterprise is the Millennium Falcon. 
And so he uses his telekinesis to pick it up and he's like flying it around the room. And then it goes into this weird scene that's not justified at all, where I guess it's just in his imagination that he's imagining like the Star Trek crew. And it's like, you know, people dressed up in goofy looking costumes to look like Mr. Spock and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, what what was that scene? Millsy, I could not tell you for the life of me. <laughs> I couldn't bet on it. I, nothing. I just, like, I just said, is this happening? And I was like, wait. I was like, is he high too? <laughs> well, when that, that happens early in the movie before the Scatman Crothers thing, and I was thinking to myself, oh, is this movie going to be like even more far out and ridiculous than I thought? Well, yeah, because at that point, like I remember, I thought, I, for whatever reason, because of the THC part, I thought like that exploding cloud like kind of made him high too. Oh, maybe it did. Maybe it did. I didn't think of that. But, but if so, they didn't they much. didn't explain yeah. that at all. No. Um But yeah, like you get that scene and you get the Scatman Crothers dream sequence, which is justified because he's high at the time. Mm-hmm. But maybe that is the justification for the Star Trek scene as well. I'm not sure. <sighs> maybe. They still should have left it on the on the cutting room floor, though. Yeah. And you then, see like, right in the beginning teeth. of the movie that in uh, Scott Bayo's bedroom he has a ventriloquist dummy. And you know, before it even happens, the only reason he has that is because, oh, at some point in the movie, he's going to use his powers to bring it to life and like Uh trick somebody. And he attacks his mom with it. Which I guess is like another Carrie kind of thing. Because, well, not even because Carrie's mom doesn't think she's possessed or does she? I don't know. She's like super religious. Um, And I don't remember specifically, but she might think that she's like possessed by the devil or something along those lines. And that's why she like locks her in the closet or whatever. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of like references to other movies in this because the whole thing is kind of like Carrie. Mm -hmm. Um, You got the Star Trek scene. Um, There's that part where uh, Scott Baio's character just He's looking at himself in the mirror and he's doing the taxi driver, you talking to me thing. Oh, right. And then he brings that back later in like a random confrontation and does the are you talking to me thing. Um, I feel like there's a couple others I'm forgetting, but there it seemed like there were a lot of references to other movies in this. It was a very weird movie. Zap, yeah. Zapped is an odd duck. It is. and But, you know, um, I, well... Did you like? Did you enjoy the movie? Did you found find it entertaining, or were yes. you just like, "This is a weird curiosity. I'm not into it." I did find myself enjoying it. Um, you know, like I already stated earlier about not being a clear winner. I'll get into it more, but mm-hmm. um, I did. Fi- I, what really did it for me was Scatman Crothers. All once that all ridiculous shit, and then I just remember <laughs> I was like, you know. I'm a child of the 80s. I love 80s movies. I don't I think it's like it could possibly be the best decade for movies. Um, I think there's a good argument to be made for that. So it definitely parts of it fit right into that and then just I felt like it was really going off the rails like in a good way with Scammy Crothers and the uh salami. I was just dying laughing <laughs> at that. So I was like this is this is like one of those scripts that just made me feel like I don't know if a couple stoners just wrote this or like. Well, the salami thing feels like they just told Scatman to make something up and he came up with it and they ran with it. Uh, maybe. You know, I just feel like it was, someone had the time of their life writing this movie, apparently. Yeah. So it yeah, is. I, I mean, it's it. a weird mishmash of like. 
it definitely feels like a movie that's trying to be a bunch of other movies, like mm-hmm. trying to cobble together things from other films to try and be popular or to try and appeal to people. Like they could have cut out the entire subplot about the principal putting out like a, um, you know, man seeking woman ads and then ending yeah. up on a date with the teacher who's obviously into him. And then they just like, they work together. They've known each other for however long, but the second they're in a fancy restaurant together on a blind date, mm-hmm. um, she just goes down on him in the restaurant and they mm-hmm. like, they're under the table, like bouncing around. And then they, they come out from under the table and everyone's looking at him and they're just like, Oh yeah, that just happened. Yeah. <laughs> like very... what was the point of that at all? <laughs> It's just there's so much odd stuff in it, but it's got a '80s super goofball charm to it. It does have a charm. I liked the characters for the most part. It's pretty typical in the scenes when it's not being completely out, like out of left field. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually found that I really enjoyed this one. <laughs> and you had not seen it before. Uh, no, I hadn't. Okay. Oh yeah, you were saying, but it'd been on your radar for a while. Yeah, I'd been wanting to see it. It's one of those movies where I saw the movie poster long ago and was like, I need to see that someday. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the random number generator fates have aligned so that I have now. Oh, there we go. Um, yeah, it's it's not um, you know it's not on the level with like the best. Like if you had to like rank eighties comedies by like you know like a letter grade, there'd be like the A list stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, etc. And then there'd be like the B-list stuff, which is pretty well known, but it's like a little more off the beaten path. This is maybe like a C or a D, just mm-hmm. based on like, you know, quality level and exposure. Right. But it still manages to be very endearing. And at during the parts where I wasn't shaking my head in confusion, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. <laughs> And it's too because it's so old at this point, you know. It's thirty six years old. Yeah, it's still it's still good for a couple laughs. Mm-hmm. So I mean that's saying something. Yeah, it ended up getting a direct to video sequel like in the nineties, I think maybe. Of course. Uh, called Zapped Again, and the only person from the original cast to return was that teacher who goes on the date with the principal. Oh, wow. Yeah, of all people. Jeez. Um. Okay. And I guess one more weird little curiosity about this movie that I'll mention before we move on, because I don't know how much more there is to say about this yeah, one. Is, I think uh, we've covered it. Um, did you see the thing in the credits about uh, where they like explicitly under the cast list mentioned that uh, Heather Thomas uh, had a body double in the movie? You know, I did not see that. I did read about that online later when I was like looking up who she was. Yeah, I caught that in the, the credits, and I was like, that's weird. I feel like they don't normally mention the body double because they don't want you to know. Mm-hmm. But then when you read about it, it turns out that, like, so she has a full-on nude scene during the prom at the end, and then there's also an earlier scene where a character took a photo of her nude, and then they show that at the end. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess what happened was she was nervous about the nude scene, so even though they filmed it, she still hadn't like decided that she wanted to let them use it in the movie and they were getting tired of waiting for her. So they just hauled off and filmed the body double and put it in there. And then she got mad because I guess that part of like a standard contract for an actor is if there's going to be a body double, whether it be for a nude scene or anything, I guess they have to have approval of it. And she didn't like approve who they chose. Okay. Um, 
I mean, not that I think there were anything wrong with the tits of the body double, <laughs> but <laughs> I guess her problem was like the like the actual nude scene in the prom. Um, you don't see her face. It's like just a shot of her torso. Right. But then the photo that they show, they actually like not photoshopped because this was 1982, but they, you know, did some kind of yeah. editing and put her head on someone else's body, and she was not happy about that. I mean, I guess I could see the not wanting that. Yeah. But hey. So then they were contractually obligated to put that in the credits, was I, oh. which I thought was kind of weird. Cyber sleuth Milzy. Yeah. I love it. So yeah, that's Zapped. Uh, maybe someday we'll watch Zapped again. Oof, it's going to be a dark day. <laughs> Here's a question. Directive video sequel, like probably 10 years later, do you think that the special effects are better than 1982 or worse than 1982 in that one? So it's 92? It's probably around there. I think it's about 8, 10 years later. I bet it's worse. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you on that. <laughs> yeah. I bet it's worse. Or like... Yeah even close to like non-existent like they didn't even have nearly a budget to do anything so yeah like really cut corners that's possible i mean this movie for for all intents and purposes had a lot of special effects like he yeah. was using those telekinetic powers all the oh, time yeah but hmm. yeah that's that's, that's zapped that. for you <laughs> um second we have uh the aforementioned electric dreams from 1984. I can't play that for her. I want to squeeze you, lick you, pucker up, and kiss you. You make her sound like a lemon. But more stay rhyme. Yeah, we got to start all over. Over? Yeah, over. It's got to be slow, like a real love song. I don't know what love is. You never told me. And the words, you got to understand them. I want to! Okay. Help me. Okay. Which words? Kiss. Kiss, you do with the mouth. Like that? <laughs> well, actually, two mouths. Two mouths. And then you pucker up, touch lips, and kiss. Next. Did you kiss to her? <laughs> yes. Next. Love. You spelled it wrong. The real way is L-O-V-E. Well, what is it? It's the most powerful feeling in the universe. Really? It's how we've all survived. What does it feel like? It can make you feel happy and sad, nervous and calm, uh, hot and cold. It can give you strength. It can make you weak. No, that does not compute. Um, this one I saw, I think, when someone watched it that I follow on Letterboxd. And I didn't know what it was, so I read the synopsis, and when I read it, I was just like, this I've got to see. It sounds ridiculous. Um, do you want to try and give a synopsis for this one? Okay. Going in, I would never heard of this movie. <laughs> didn't know anything it was about. Even when we picked this for the episode, I didn't check to see what it was about. <laughs> you just took my word for it. I just was like, all right, this fits the theme. I'll go with it. All right, so you've got, we'll call him Architect Dweeb. His name is Miles, or Moles, Moles as Edgar yeah. calls him. <laughs> uh, he's trying to get some architecture work done. He's come up with a, uh, I guess he keeps calling it a brick that's shaped like a puzzle piece that he thinks is going to revolutionize architecture and like you know help buildings not fall during earthquakes. 
Mm-hmm. You know, apparently this is a lot of work. He needs it's not it's 1984. He needs a lot of computer help, but he doesn't know anything about computers. Doesn't well, if you recall, one. the reason he gets the computer is because someone tried to talk him into getting like a oh, personal daily right, right, planner. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then he goes so, all out and buys a full of fucking yeah. giant computer. It, it goes from like a Casio pocket planner to uh, a supercomputer with tons of parts he didn't even need. He mm-hmm. just starts buying like, I don't know, voice modulator and microphones. and When he's setting it up, because he brings it home first night, I'm like, there's a lot of shit in that yeah. box. Yeah. I mean, he... The scene where he buys it from random computer salesman girl is great. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced that she might have been like a voiceover because really, it doesn't, like, it doesn't a, like a dub. Yeah, like ADR or just a straight dub or something because it just seemed very off to me. Mm-hmm. Um, this may just be conspiracy theory, Millsy working here, but when ooh. you say that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know from Wikipedia that this movie was a British-American co-production and that they filmed parts of it in Britain, Ooh. even though the movie was supposed to take place in Los An- or, uh, San Francisco. San Francisco. Yep. So when you say that, it makes me think it might have been a part that they filmed in the UK and then they changed her voice so that it would feel like they were actually in Los Angeles. If you think to do San Francisco. it, try and go back and watch that part and let me know. Okay, I'll think of it. Um. All right, brings all his stuff home. He hooks it up. Uh, help me on Millsy. Does it? Does he start? He. I think he tries to connect it to like his the network of his job. So he basically, from what I can gather, because <laughs> it's not the most clear. So he sets up this computer at home with all these crazy gadgets that it came with. Like the computer can control every appliance in his house like he's got these little black boxes with plugs in them and if he plugs them into any appliance in the house then the computer can control it which i just have to say movies like this and weird science which we'll get to i love 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 the like old like the antiquated futurism Mm-hmm. of, oh, like, God, just yeah. the ideas that they had, which a lot of this stuff happens now where you can use, like, your cell phone to, con- like, turn your car on and, like, mm-hmm. set your alarm in your house and, like, change the temperature and stuff. But, like, the giant black boxes he had to plug into shit, <laughs> you know? It's just, I love that feeling. Yes. He even sets it up, like, seemingly out of the box. His brand new, like, computer that he bought has, like, a giant deadbolt, like an electronic deadbolt that you can use to, like, lock your doors with the computer. Yeah. Um... But anyway, uh, so like you said, he's I, – I don't know what he actually does for work, but in his spare time, he's like – I think he's an architect. Is he an architect? But in I his spare so. time, he's working on this like new brick yeah. that he thinks is going to revolutionize architecture, like you said. And uh, I guess he decides to use the computer to help him like design it. So it seems like he needs more like processing power or something. So he decides to connect the the computer up to like some archaic version of the internet uh, and like leech power or something <laughs> out of his boss's computer at work. Mm-hmm. And then it overloads his computer and like fries it and he dumps champagne on it mm-hmm. to try and cool it down. Because that's what you do. And apparently, similar to the... Uh, the marijuana liquid beer and growth hormone in Zapped. Uh-huh. When you combine an overheating circuit board with champagne, 
you get advanced artificial intelligence. Yep. I mean, we'll we'll get to weird science, but that continues the trend of uh, ludicrous combinations. Oh yes, it's uh, it's rampant in this episode of Triple mm-hmm. Threat Theater. <laughs> so yeah, he hits um, the computer with a champagne, <laughs> turns it into Skynet. Uh, I just love that he's like nerdy bachelor, mm-hmm. um, and he goes in his fridge looking for beer. But he doesn't, you know, like, oh, man, I don't have any beer. Well, I guess I'll, I have this bottle of champagne. Right. In what world? Yeah. <laughs> um, Is that like a classy architect thing? And I don't know if that's just bad ADR or what, but he's holding a, like, a, a wine glass or a champagne glass in his hand already when he says the line about, like, oh, man, I don't have any beer. Like, he was going to drink beer out of a, like, a champagne glass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's beside true, the point. True. Um. So yeah, new neighbor moves in upstairs in his building, which is Virginia Madsen, mm-hmm. and she was she play a cello. Yes. So she's a like a concert cellist, and um, so when the the computer, which you eventually learn is called Edgar, uh, when it becomes sentient, it's like you know a lot of there's been other movies and TV shows and stuff that have dealt with this where it's like the early process of the person like teaching the computer things and explaining things to it. And eventually the computer wants to know like, what is love and all of this? Because since main dude miles is falling in love with, uh, um, uh, Virginia Madsen, Madsen, Virginia Madsen. Um, and she's a musician. He want he like basically tries to program the computer to write her a love song and then the computer becomes like obsessed with her and wants to meet her. But the guy is hiding the fact that he has a computer um, because because she thinks he's the one that can play music. It's yeah, it's weird. Like so the like one of the first nights that the computer is sentient, she's upstairs playing her cello and the computer can hear her through the vent. So it starts making music along with her, like using chiptune sounds, and they almost perform like a duet through the vent. And then she thinks that it was Miles, the guy, probably playing a keyboard or something. And she keeps asking him about the music, and it's just one of those weird things where he never stops and says, I don't play music. I don't know what you're talking about. He just keeps on giving her vague answers, so she thinks he's leading her on about him actually being a musician. So their entire relationship is built on the fact that she likes his music and he doesn't even know what the fuck she's talking about. It's so strange. <laughs> it's so strange. Um, And yeah, I mean, it's pretty much just the computer is like jealous and it feels confined to the house. And when he won't introduce it to the girl um, and he like stops talking to it as much or whatever, it becomes like a rebellious teenager and starts like fucking with him because it's connected to all of his appliances and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I start to think, wait, is this movie like, is he going to kill him? Is this a horror movie? I was like, wait, I was like, how, like how in touch with this theme am I this week? I was like, I was like, no, I thought, no, this should be just a love movie. Well, there is a part where the computer is like attacking him and chasing him throughout the house and he ends up hiding in the bathroom. Yeah. And the way everything is attacking him, it gave me a vibe of uh, the little shop of horrors at the end when all the tentacles are attacking Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Seymour in the flower shop. 
And but yeah, like, for a little while there, I was I thought it was going to get a lot darker than it did too. Yeah, because when he's out in public, it's like it's like putting out an APB for him, saying he's like a dangerous individual. Yeah, like he goes well. So uh, again, the computer Edgar like wants to meet the the woman, and like he he just he he's feels confined to the house, even though he has access to the internet and like television and everything. Uh, all this information beyond what a computer in 1982 probably or 1984 probably could manage for sure. Cause it's just like constantly flicking around television stations and stuff like that. Um, so, uh, miles wants to go out on a date with Virginia Madsen's character, uh, Madeline. And, um, he doesn't want the computer to know. So he like sneaks out of the house and then when the computer realizes that he's out on a date with her, it starts using the internet to like cancel his credit cards. And like you <laughs> right. said, like is basically framing him for stuff like to, mm-hmm. just to fuck with him. I guess. At and that then, point I'm like, it's going to kill him. Cause he's in the rope. Uh, Edgar's in love with the girl. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's weird. Like, like he's not in the the dude miles isn't into computers at all he says that but then as soon as he has it he like sets up everything mm-hmm. and then when he's got the artificial intelligence it's like he just treats it like shit <laughs> and i don't know what an average person would actually do in that situation like imagine if this happened in real life to you like wow. would you be as much of an asshole to your living computer <laughs> as he was to his well millsy you know that i have a general fear of artificial intelligence and that's true. You, know. you always are the first one to send me videos of all the new crazy robots <laughs> right. that can like write themselves and run yeah. faster than humans like, that could do backflips and rough open doors terrain. And <laughs> yeah. So that probably would be your worst nightmare. You were probably a bad person to ask that question to. Probably. I mean, I would like to think I'd be nicer if it was in my house. Cause then I'd be like, the thing is definitely going to kill me. It's in the other room. Yeah. But you never know if, it, you know, AI is going to start giving me lip. I can't imagine I'm going to be the nicest guy to it. It's just a movie with a lot of, how to describe it. It's got a lot of like manufactured drama where like the computer understandably like just wants to know more and wants to experience things outside of its small world that it lives in. And the guy for no real good reason denies it that. And the woman upstairs who's in love with Miles, the owner of the computer, she is like outright complimenting him on his music and asking about his music. But instead of even making up a believable lie, he just like avoids it and drives like a wedge between them. Mm. Um, And like the computer... it, it You know, when it didn't get its way and when it did feel like it was being confined to the apartment it did become sort of hostile, but like, why wouldn't miles just like share this crazy discovery of his with her or something? Like, can I pose a question? Yeah. Please. What genre is this movie? Oh, um, at the simplest shirt, sure, let's say it's sci-fi. Cause whatever, but like, I'd say it's a cross section between a sci-fi and a romantic Dramedy. I realize that's four genres all in one that I just said, but you know, if if you took out the sci-fi, this would I think be like that romantic comedy drama ballpark. Because well, I'm thinking, like, I don't know if they're. It didn't make me laugh. I don't know what the. 
There is goofiness, though, about it, like it parts like they play around with like the computer not understanding things Um like that first look when he first asked the the computer to write him a love song and he's like you just use words like you know hug and kiss and just make it rhyme and then the computer comes back to him with like a really basic song um that, that mm-hmm. uses like the word tits and he's like no no that's not a love song stuff like that um a little bit of the playfulness i guess i mean it's not a laugh out loud funny movie or anything but right. i do think there's comedy elements in it okay well We'll stick it with the simple genre of sci-fi romantic dramedy. <laughs> it is a lot of things. Eh? Uh, I mean, if if I else. had to pick like a pretty basic genre, like a, a, an accepted genre title to tell someone what this movie was, I would say it is a romantic comedy, probably. Okay. Because I do think that those elements, like it's got a sci-fi bent, but I think it's like adding sci-fi to the established, you know, yeah. uh, formula of a romantic comedy. I'll back you up on that. Um, and then throw in the drama because it tries to kill him. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, so, background on this one a little bit. Uh, I was reading about this. Uh, so the guy who directed it. Um, is mostly known for music videos. He's directed a shitload of music videos for the likes of AHA, David Bowie, Def Leppard, Dolly Parton, Madonna, Michael Jackson, Paul McCartney, Styx, Tears for Fears, ZZ Top, and many others. So there's a good chance there's a lot of 80s coke in there. Oh, for sure. Um, And so he had actually, I think this is the guy I was looking at who had worked as like an assistant camera operator on stuff like Superman, the movie and a couple of other things, but was mostly just directing music videos. And then he directed one of the music videos he directed. I can't remember which one he showed it to his mother and his mother was working on the, uh, Barbara Streisand film Yentl. (laughs) And she showed it to someone she was working with on that movie who had written a script for this and asked the director to direct it. And that's how this ended up being his first film that he directed. Good Lord. Um, and apparently a studio picked it up really quickly. It got distribution like immediately and everything went smoothly. Uh, I, I don't know if it was like super well, uh, accepted by viewers. Um, it's, it's a movie that you watch now. Like nobody's really heard of it. And it feels really kind of crummy. Like, it doesn't look very good. No. Um, it just doesn't have a great story structure. You can see what it's getting at, but it's almost like you're filling in the holes with your knowledge of how movies are supposed to work, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, it does. But, like, I really wonder what people would have thought of this at the time. Like, would they have thought, like, any of this would be possible? <laughs> Well, that's like a, a probably a far more interesting conversation. Yeah, it's like any movie from the eighties that deals with like uh, ideas of the future, like Back mm-hmm. to the Future, Back to the Future Two. You know, yeah. Um, this it, that's a very interesting kind of a uh, road to go down. Yeah, I just I can't put myself into that place because I wasn't watching movies in nineteen eighty four. Sure, but um. Yeah, I mean, I I did get enjoyment out of this movie as well. Um, 
I didn't like watch it and hate it or anything, but it's definitely a little on the dull side. Um, and it has this feeling of like the guy, he even said in an interview, I wrote this down cause I thought it was apt. He said, uh, the director said electric dreams was definitely an attempt to try and weave the early eighties music video genre into a movie. And you feel that because there is always music playing in the background, not score, but like actual songs. Mm-hmm. And at times it just feels like they just have a, a radio turned down low in the background. Like so many times in scenes, it felt like there shouldn't be music playing, but there was. Um, and he got like a couple of, you know, known artists in there, even though this doesn't feel like a movie that would have had like a great soundtrack. Right. And then this blew my mind. The song Together in Electric Dreams mm-hmm. by the, uh, the dude from the Human League was written for this movie. Oh, jeez. Like the song that they play at, at the end, like, Together yeah. in Electric Dreams. This which calling I, in favors all over the place. Right? I mean, he directed a ton of music videos, so that makes sense, but... That's crazy to me that like everybody, even if you don't know the name of the song or who who wrote it, because I I mean I didn't um, beforehand. Not that I probably couldn't have guessed the title, mm-hmm. but everybody knows that song. It's like an '80s like pop music staple. Was written for this fucking movie that no one's heard of. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Which yeah, I thought was crazy. Like when it played at the end of the movie, it's like there's a big montage at the end. And they play that song over the montage, and I'm hearing mm-hmm. Electric Dreams in it. And for the first time, I'm thinking, is it? No, no. They must have named the movie after the song, but nope. Yeah. Well, also, too, part of the story is when the the computer basically kills himself. Mm-hmm. That's his final act as he puts that music, that song out into the world. Right. Well, that's like after he kills himself. So it makes me wonder, like, did the computer just upload its consciousness into the internet or something so now it's not trapped in the the apartment or something maybe but well we'll have to check the sequel electric dreams to <laughs> electric boogaloo yeah uh probably not a movie that needs a sequel <laughs> um but so apparently virginia madsen had such a blast working on this movie and thought that it was great that she bought the remake rights and some number of years ago I think 10 or 15 years ago, tried to get a remake going, but no studios were interested. Oh. Yeah, this, this one's full of interesting anecdotes, isn't it? Yeah, for a movie that I think most people have never even heard of. You know what I liked, um, which is going to sound super random, but they did they had like a cool kind of graphic interface on the computer mm-hmm. for like when it was making music and stuff. Because it wasn't just, it didn't feel like a... You know, your kind of typical 80s special effect. Like, it seemed like it was something actually made in the computer. Mm -hmm. Like, showing in real time. You know what I mean? Like, those weird blocks and stuff. Yeah, it wasn't just, like, a lot of, like, animation. No. That they were pretending was on a computer screen or being played on a video monitor. Um, It did make me think, because, you know, a lot of the time is spent just on, like, montages of the computer doing stuff and... Yeah. Um, there was a, a lot, lot of, of stuff that they had to like create for the computer to have on its screens when it wasn't showing like video footage or whatever, mm-hmm. even down to like the shot when, uh, the dude is going to sleep and it's showing like digital sheep, like do androids dream of electric sheep, like jumping over uh, a fence. Like I'm yep. assuming that they animated that in a computer for this movie. 
And for like 1983, 1984, when they were making this, that was probably a lot of work to do all of those like graphics yeah. for the computer to show. I mean, they the stuff I like, they showed this probably different, maybe two, three, four times that it, it shows that. Mm-hmm. Which I was pretty surprised, but that was cool looking. Yeah. Um. So I don't know that it's an interesting film. It's not an amazing film. I concur. Um. <laughs> Do you know what the director of this movie went on to do after this? Mm, not direct movies. <laughs> You'd be wrong. Okay, hit me. The very next movie he made after this, which was about six years later, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the live action no. movie from 1990, was directed by the guy who made Electric Dreams. Come on. Yep, Steve Barron. I love that movie. <laughs> Um, so he learned a few things between Electric Dreams and that, yeah. because that is a much more coherent narrative. <laughs> Certainly. And um, the other like big, noteworthy movie that he made a couple years after that was the Coneheads movie. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Um, since then, he's done like one or two little things, I think. He's mostly like a producer. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been involved in a couple of other like noteworthy titles, but those were like the three things he really directed of any note. If you want to say that Electric Dreams is of note, <laughs> mm, Jerry's out on that one. Yeah, uh, I'm just crossing my fingers that Virginia Madsen gets that remake made. No, what, what <laughs> world would we live in then? I Who mean, knows? there's there's so like when I was coming up with the idea for uh, this trio of movies for this episode mm-hmm. i had in mind weird science and uh electric dreams because they're both about like computers kind of getting into like the romance stuff a little bit mm-hmm. like i ended up using zapped because while not exactly technology based it it was like the the powers that he got were from science at least yeah. and sense. i wanted to do 380s movies but i was honestly thinking about doing Electric Dreams, Weird Science, and Her. Mm. Um, but like, even a movie like Her feels like it has... It, it probably wasn't really influenced by Electric Dreams at all, but it plays in that same ballpark, just in a much I mean, better way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some parallels there. Yeah. And oh. there are plenty of movies about artificial intelligence and right, right. people forming bonds with them. Even something like Short Circuit, which might have come before or might have come after this, you know? Chappie. Yeah. True, true. Like the scenes where they're teaching Chappie things and like he's learning to speak and everything that's reminiscent of the early steps of Edgar's life in this movie. Um, I don't know wow. how much of an influence it has, but it's there nonetheless. That's some research we got to do. I'd like to know <laughs> for a follow-up episode. Yeah, let's get some interviews with like uh, Spike Jones and people yeah, really. and see if their movies were influenced by Electric Dreams at He's all. He's like, yeah, man, I love Electric Dreams. I got a 35 millimeter print at home. Like, holy <laughs> shit. Hey, stranger things have happened. Zap got a sequel. Indeed. Um, <laughs> so shall we move on to our third and final film? Yes, please. So Weird Science, uh, 1985, directed by John Hughes. <laughs> Chet, what the hell is going on around here? I'm sorry, it was an accident. An accident? An accident? Do you realize it's snowing in my room, goddammit? Um, some real weird shit happened, Chet. Some real weird shit. You don't have shit. to be a genius to figure that out, monkey dick. 
Start talking, little man. Look, Chad, it's a real long story. Gary and I were messing around with the computer Friday night when we decided to make a woman, and we didn't. She went crazy, and she messed up the whole house. Oh, smart mouth me, you wormy little shit. Why don't you just leave him alone? Stay out of this bimbo. This is a family matter. Chad, just let me find Lisa. She can explain everything. She'll clear everything up, Chad. This is the only one of the three I had seen before. I'm assuming you've seen it before. Agreed. Yes. Um, bef- just in general, how do you feel about weird science? Uh, grew up watching it many times. Loved it. Haven't seen it in twenty years. Oh. <laughs> um, but over those twenty years, if someone had asked you if you were a fan of weird science, you would have said yes for sure. Uh, I did not grow up on John Hughes movies. Um, I haven't seen a couple of the classics like Pretty in Pink. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I famously saw The Breakfast Club when I was in high school and didn't like it very much, much to the chagrin of my classmates mm-hmm. who all grew up watching it. Yep. Um, Weird Science, I did not see until sometime within the last like eight to ten years, I think, mm-hmm. on Netflix I watched it the first time. Okay. Uh, and I was not a fan when I first saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had forgotten <laughs> about this because it had been so long, but uh, somehow within the last couple of weeks, randomly, a uh, friend of yours and mine, Doug Miller, uh, was on my letterbox page. I think he had rewatched Weird Science and looked up what I gave it, and I forgot I had given it a one star. Oof! Ouch! Um, I don't remember hating it that much, but um, I definitely didn't love it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, how about with this rewatch? I still don't love it. Okay. I do not have any real love for this movie. Um, I assume most people know the premise of this one, so maybe we can forego that. But, uh, you know, I love the, like, 80s style of dress and general aesthetic. Um, I love some of the John Hughes-isms, like just the town and like the kind of hoity-toity parents and like the classy homes, but with just like normal run-of-the-mill kids is like an aesthetic that I like. Yep. Um, Kelly LeBrock is gorgeous. Um, yep. I can get behind elements of the basic premise, but whereas I can watch a movie like Zapped, which as you and I discussed is completely fucking bonkers, um, with the exception of that scene with like the Star Trek sequence, which I, you have explained whether or not you're correct about why that scene happens because he was high at the time. Mm-hmm. That is satisfactory for me to be like, okay, I'm fine with it. Yep. Um, like all the crazy stuff that happens in that movie makes sense. If you can accept, okay, he has, you know, telekinetic powers. Um, this movie, like I, I guess that I can buy that they made a human perfect woman because like a thunderstorm hit their computer when they were like designing a person in a computer program. But then like that is about as far as I'm willing to go with this movie. And I don't know why, Mm -hmm. like her creating like sports cars out of thin air that they can actually physically get in and drive around uh, her being able to like freeze uh, the main character's par- uh, grandparents in mm-hmm. a closet and they're just like frozen there. Her being able to turn Bill Paxton into like a frog creature. 
Um, I mean, we'll just come out and say it. That I mean, she's fully omnipotent in this movie. Yeah, she is God. She can do anything. And uh, it's like that opens up too many doors. And it's almost like as far as superheroes are concerned, because, you know, I'm a fucking loser nerd and that's all I can compare anything to is like, you know, Spider-Man has he can climb walls. He's agile and he shoots webs and swings around and he is super strong. Okay. I can go with those things. But then you have someone like Superman who has like, he's perfect. He has every power known to man. And I find him uninteresting because of that. Like there is no situation that he can't perceivably get out of Mm -hmm. because he's just, he's stacked, you know, Mm -hmm. with powers. It's kind of like that in this, like I always talk about how I love when a movie like sets up a set of rules that may be hard to swallow, but then you just get to watch it play in that ballpark. And in this movie, I feel like there's no rules. Like literally anything can happen. Like it was never going to go bad for these guys because like, you know, a typical like teenage comedy where like the kids throw a party at the house and the house gets trashed and they have to like clean up at the last minute and they get done just in time. Like don't have to worry about that because she just can magically make everything better. Mm -hmm. And, that just it like ruins the entire movie for me. Am I crazy here? Like, is that completely um, insane? I wouldn't call you insane. I think because it's a comedy, I'm fine with that. I think mm-hmm. if it was any other kind of genre. I maybe I would have more problems with like the the easy erasing of all horrible things. Um, it's just like you, she, you are she big on your them. rules. You know, I, I I am in some cases, and this is one of them for me for whatever reason, but like she wants them to stand up to somebody and like, you know, show that they have a backbone or whatever. But instead of like they stand up to a bully from school or like Robert Downey Jr.'s character or even um, what's his name's older brother, Wyatt's older brother, uh, played by Bill Paxton, mm-hmm. like instead of that. She just like snaps her fingers and fucking Mad Man. Max biker gang shows up out of the blue, just like they uh-huh. materialize out of nothing. And it just, I don't know, it, it feels like there's, they, there were like more tactful ways they could have gone about things or something. It just, it bothers me. And okay. like, I find it distracting and I can't really enjoy the movie after that. Wow. Um, I mean, yeah, if that's one of those things you can't work around, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, that's just not not an issue for me. Yeah. Because, like, because the premise is so ludicrous, and especially the way they create a girl in a computer, which is basically, oh, God, what are they? They hook a Barbie <laughs> doll up to some diodes, and they, they feed a couple of uh, Playboys and uh, magazine ads. More like, fantastic 80s technology that yeah. has never really existed in that form. Because yeah. even then, I think it seems like, it feels like they're, I mean, it's if you don't know the premise, it's two nerds, two friendless, sexless nerds, <laughs> uh, you know, decide that the best way to get a woman is to make her in a computer somehow. But they kind of just like start designing their ideal woman and then it goes off the rails as they just keep like piling it on. And then they like hack into like the local mainframe power source. It's just like Electric Dreams where like their computer doesn't have enough power to do what they want. Mm -hmm. So now. All right. So I was born in 1985. We didn't get the Internet in my house until like nigh on the year 2000. Mm hmm. I may just be ignorant of this. I assume it's a real thing, but that contraption 
in both this movie and Electric Dreams, where to seemingly connect to the internet, you take a rotary phone receiver and put it in these like two rubber things that connect yeah. to the the earpiece and the mouthpiece. Like uh, before my, I was born in '82. Before my time as well, because I've seen that thing before. I think it has something to do with dial tone. I guess. Yeah. Uh, but they both movies they use that, and then they just magically are able to hack into some place that they draw power from, which I'm sure isn't a real thing. But no, well then they they do that, and then for whatever reason, red thunderclouds roll in. Yeah, it's like when you have when you use that much power in this like crazy computer setup this kid has that he got for his birthday, that causes like a rip in the reality or the like. A rip in reality and thunderstorms from red clouds yeah. rain down and whatever you have these two little like alligator clips <laughs> touching mm-hmm. becomes real be it a barbie doll that turns into a beautiful woman or <laughs> the second time when they try and do it they have an uh, issue of time magazine with a picture of like a ballistic missile on the cover mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the missile grows and becomes real in their house <laughs> yeah um, that, that act absolutely happens. Um, so yeah, for me, you know, cause all that happens, I mean, basically they feed a bunch of pictures into a shredder. It looks like, and, uh, which gotta say, like I'm, I, I, I go with, you know, if there's like, they want the woman that they're making to look a certain way, you cut out a picture of someone's face, you cut out a picture of like someone's body and you feed it into the scanner thing. But then for her to be smart, they cut out a photo of Albert Einstein. (laughs) They feed the photo into the computer and -hmm. then they show the computer screen realizing, oh, they want her to be smart. And they show the IQ growing. Right. I mean, this is just totally like movie, like what's the quickest and easiest way we could put forth these ideas? Like, oh, we'll bring in lightning storms and, you know, the local power grid and a bunch of pictures of things. Yeah, and then she just appears in the bathroom doorway. Yeah, and again, all of that explodes. stuff I'm I'm fine with. I, I can buy all of that to get the story going. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's the way you want to do it, that's fine. Um, it's really everything that comes after with her abilities that, that bugs me. I, I don't want to get too hung up on it in the sure. review. I, yeah, I, I really you. think the problem is I did not see this movie when I was 10 years old like I should have. Probably. I mean, for me, because her the whole creation is so ludicrous... Everything that happens in the rest of the movie is ridiculous, mm-hmm. but it's a comedy. So I'm me personally, I'm just okay with it. Mm-hmm. I will say, you know, I grew up loving it for like goofy childhood reasons. I hadn't seen it in so long. This time when I watched it, it's definitely it was like, wow, this is not as good as I remember. Yeah. Um, well, and then kind of, you know, I did some research after. And of course, like... You know, IMDb says, and of course it's true because it's on the internet, that says like John Hughes wrote this movie in two days. And I'm like, <laughs> and then I'm like, uh, I could believe that probably. Did you see where the original premise for this movie came from? Uh, I don't know. I think it was a producer or something like gave him the idea. Mm-hmm. And the original idea and the title of the movie as well comes from an old EC comic called Weird Science. Oh, I think I did see that. So in issue five of the original EC comic Weird Science from 1950, 
or in mm-hmm. the 1950s, there's a story called Made of the Future, and I Googled it and I found it. And yeah. I didn't I didn't read it, but I skimmed it. It's like a 10-page story by uh, Al, Feld, Al Feldstein, who did a lot of those old pre-code like sci-fi horror comics. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought this was fascinating. So the original comic, where the concept of this movie came from, uh, dude is engaged to be married to this woman. She gives him the ring back and says, like, no, whatever your name is, I'm I'm marrying Bob instead. And so he's heartbroken and he's out and about and he stumbles upon this group of people that are like in the city where he lives and they're like on a guided tour. And he's overhearing what they're saying. And he's like, what are, what are these people talking about? Why are they talking about us like we're in the past? So he follows them and like they end up down in the basement of this building and there's this big crazy machine and he sneaks inside the machine with them unnoticed. And it turns out that it's like in the future, in the year 2150, they have time travel tours where you can go back and see what the earth was like, like a hundred years ago or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so he stumbled upon one of these tours, goes to the future with them. And then he finds like a department store where they are selling in the future um, like a make your own woman kit. And he's like, oh man, I could really use a woman. So he buys one of these kits and then he goes back to the place where they give the tours, takes a tour back to his time in like the fifties, sneaks away again, and then goes home and makes his perfect woman in the bathtub. Oh, okay. And then uh, she is like the perfect woman for a while. They get married and then he comes home one day and she's gone and uh, she never comes back, and he assumes that she also just so happened to run into one of these tours and found her way into the future and is never coming back. That's where the premise for Weird Science came from. Nice. <laughs> Which I nice. thought was fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is. Uh, you know, this movie, it's only like three scenes. <laughs> right. Um, Which I don't... I mean, if you if you asked me before I rewatched it, I mean, I probably would have only come up with three scenes, but been you know been sure there was more. When in mm-hmm. fact, there's not. It's only an hour and a half. A lot of it feels like it was almost like made for uh, what's his name, Ian, Ian Michael Hall, Anthony Michael Hall, Anthony Michael Hall. It feels like it was like made for him because he's got like this certain kind of like. I guess you could say like comedic style or delivery that just feels like a lot of the script was like catered to that. I don't know if mm-hmm. that makes sense and not, I don't even mean that in a good way. Cause it didn't, it didn't like really hit well for me. Yeah. Like the whole second scene at like the jazz club where he like, as soon as oh. he gets drunk, he becomes like an old blues man. With yeah. His and voice he's talking and in that like really like gravelly, raspy voice yeah he's basically mimicking like an old black dude yeah and I was that like, was this weird is, this is terrible and it goes on forever and i was like yeah. oh. i was like he's still doing this i was like this is problematic and has not aged well at all no and it is and funny like so he is so the two main characters anthony michael hall and i think the guy's name is ilan ilan i-l-a-n uh, anyway, their characters are Gary and Wyatt. Uh, Anthony Michael Hall is Gary. Um, they're pretty much like 
co-leads, like they're best mm-hmm. friends. They're always pretty much in it together. But the character whose house it takes place at and the character that they're always ragging on for like, oh, you need to take risks every now and then. And the character whose computer they use to make the girl, mm-hmm. um, it's it's all the other kid, yeah, Wyatt. Wyatt. Mm-hmm. Um, so it almost feels like he's more the main character and Anthony Michael Hall is like the charismatic sidekick. But then Anthony Michael Hall gets like almost all the cool stuff to do or yeah. like all of the, like the humor. Um, like when Def- those biker gang guys come in. Yeah. He yeah. Gets, yeah. He gets the big pop against the bad guys. Yeah. He's the one who like, you know, f- stands up to the bad guys and the other dude's just standing next to him. Right. But why um, is like, he's the, he's like the only one that like makes out with Lisa. And mm-hmm. then I don't even know if they slept together or cause they're talking about doing gymnastics together or something. Well, she like, says that she was like six seconds into her gymnastic routine and then he fell asleep. Right. Which either means that they were about to have sex and then <laughs> right. he fell asleep or she was actually going to do gymnastics, yeah, which but... I take it more as that because I mean, of course, you know, in this, you know, young male fantasy world where you can mm-hmm. create this perfect woman and she will do anything. Mm-hmm. The simple fact that the farthest they ever went is like standing in the shower with her. Right. Is insane. Right. <laughs> like they wouldn't even fucking wanted girlfriends at that yeah. point. They've made this fucking <laughs> Kelly LeBrock. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that stuff happens, like you said, but then, uh, Gary gets all the laughs and the, that big payoff. They both end up with girlfriends mm-hmm. that they that and it's girls they just met and they suddenly are both in love with. Yeah, uh, girls that didn't know them. Like it, you get the impression that they've been like ogling them from afar for right. a long time, but the girls have no idea who they are. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it pretty much is like it opens in the school briefly, and then the big first scene, like the whole first act, is them in the bedroom creating the girl. Mm-hmm. And then they go to the jazz club. Like immediately after she's created. Yep. And then like the next day they go to the mall. And then the big finale like party at the house scene is that night. Yeah. So the whole thing is like three days. It's like a weekend while the parents are it's, away. It, that's I guess. exactly what it is. It's like Friday to Sunday. And I remember thinking at one point, like, oh, my God, there's going to be, like, this huge party scene. Because it, since it had been a while since I'd seen it and I wasn't a huge fan, I didn't remember a ton about the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking when the movie was, like, only halfway through runtime mm-hmm. and they were already starting the big party, I was like, oh, I guess there's, like, another scene. Like, the big party yeah. can't be the climax. But it is. It totally is. Yeah, there's just a lot happens there. Yeah. Um. You know, so, like I was saying, like, you know, I don't, I didn't nearly like it as much as I did remembering when I was little. Because now that I have actual taste in things, I guess. <laughs> uh, the parts I still liked, like, I actually still liked Lisa as a character. Not so much with, like, her godlike abilities, but just her, her kind of uh, personality, I guess. Yeah, in addition to being gorgeous, she does have a lot of charisma. Yeah, and just, like, her... Like standing up to the boys or standing up to Gary's parents. I actually like really liked that scene. Yeah. And it was just that was cool to me. And then I really liked there's like a decent amount I we we've already said this in three episodes, but going back to like old school practical effects, mm-hmm. there's like a good amount of that in this movie. Just like weird shit, like when they're creating her or like 
even like when they're d- the house is getting destroyed during the party and then cleaned up afterwards. Yeah. I it's, definitely enjoyed sitting there thinking to myself, like, how did they do this? Yeah, see, and that's what I love about watching old stuff is like, you know, this movie, it, it wasn't nearly as good as I remember it being, but like little stuff like that I appreciate now that I never did when yeah. I was younger. That is something that you can do with, you know... CG is great and I like mm-hmm. it and it has its place and so do practical effects. I wish that there was more practical effects nowadays. Mm-hmm. I understand why there's kind of not, but like when it comes to CG, I have no idea how to do it. I know that you sit down and you run a computer program and do this and that and you know, it's very complicated and takes a lot of work, but right. you sit down and use a computer. With practical effects, that is something that I still do like to do and when a movie can fool me or like mm-hmm. make me think, I yep. I do love to be able to actually be like, oh, I wonder how they did that. Absolutely. And I did, you do that so much in weird science. Mm-hmm. Even then, and it happened in, the, I think it was zapped. There's one part in zapped where he like takes all the water out of the fish tank. Oh yeah. Same thing there. I was like, mm-hmm. how did they do that? You know, I'm thinking I, they put the whole room on a gimbal or something. I'm pretty sure that's what they did because at first the water in that movie is like splashing upwards, but mm-hmm. then when they cut back to it, it's all draining out of one side. Like instead of the water floating up, it's just like floating right. out and to the right. So I'm pretty sure they just like turned it 90 degrees. Yeah. So that kind of stuff, you know, I love it. And there's a lot of it in Weird Science. I mean, like the chip, yeah. like uh, pimply, gross thing looks okay. It probably looks better as just a head without the rest of the body. If it wasn't filmed in bright daylight for long stretches, it would look better. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, you know, it's a comedy. It's They're less worried about how cool the creature sure. looks than just the surprise right. factor of, oh, my God, Bill Paxton's but, voice yeah. is coming out of this toad thing. But f- for being a comedy, yeah, I mean, it looked good enough. I mean, like, mm-hmm. and a throwaway thing that probably no one even would think to acknowledge, I liked the where she changed the kitchen to all blue. Yeah, because like some people literally had to go there and paint every or get color versions or I'd say it was paint because it's all the same blue, but paint every square inch of that room. Mm -hmm. It's weirdly subtle, too, where like the rest of the movie, you're not even thinking about it. It's just like you're in this blue kitchen and it's just that's the way it is. (laughs) Right. You know, so stuff like that still made me smile. Yeah. No, I'm with you. That is an element of the movie that I can definitely enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, here's another one similar to Electric Dreams. It's got a theme song that. Yep. What do you think? In the obviously Electric Dreams, uh, the song is more well known than the movie. Um, do you think that the movie Weird Science is more well known than the song, or vice versa? Hmm. I'd probably say the song's more well known. I would agree because like a movie, even if you know about it, you like you have to go out of your way to see it. But like especially back in like the mid eighties, that song was probably on the radio yeah, and, I feel and like TV that was, and all constantly. You you you're more likely to get like random person to be like, Oh, I've heard that song rather than I've seen that movie. Yeah. So I mean I didn't look too much into this, but uh I did see that apparently this movie only has like it's around fifty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Like with with John Hughes, I would say you've got like uh Pretty in Pink, uh Weird Science, Breakfast Club. Is there another like teenage movie that he did in that same time period that I'm forgetting? So Breakfast Club. 
Pretty in Pink. Pretty in Pink. 16 Candles. 16 Candles. I feel like those four movies, like, in his career, are, like, in this little pocket to themselves, which are, like, his most well-known, most beloved films. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Weird Science is kind of the oddball standout that, yeah. you know, people like. And I saw it online referred to as a cult film, which is weird to think about because it's John Hughes and he made, like, very mainstream mm-hmm. movies. But um, it did give me the impression that, you know, and, and I don't even, I don't hate this movie. I just find it tough to enjoy it on the same level as I know a lot of other people with nostalgia do. Yeah. But it definitely gave me the impression, like, I'm not alone on this one per se. Like, people don't all around love this movie. And watching right. it, like, even if you enjoy it, it is, I think it's, you can say that it is flawed in some strange ways. For sure. It just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel as tight as the other John Hughes movies. Like I yeah. said, like, it was written in two days. Like, it certainly kind of feels like it. And especially when there's only three scenes and the whole middle one is just like painful almost. <laughs> yeah. You know, but. But man, I do love a, any, any 80s movie that has a scene in a mall. I can't get enough of that. For sure. For sure. I and must just, agree. All of these movies, just like the style of dress and everything. And like, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, like the two teenage girl characters, uh, Deb and Hilly, I think was her name. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just the fucking makeup and oh, the hairstyles. Side, side ponytails, the clothes. Yeah. Just, I, I, don't, um, I love that stuff. <laughs> yeah, Zapped has definitely has some great uh, wardrobe. There's the one like, you know... Uh, a rowdy kind of high school guy, the, you know, that, uh, I can't remember if he's got like crazy hair, he's got spiked up hair and he's like the rough around the edges. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of bully, whatever. Yep. You know, he's another one, but yeah, the eighties is great for that. Yeah. I love all that stuff. I mean, I think that's why I always love movies that are set in the eighties mm-hmm. that, you know, could be made in modern times. Mm-hmm. Cause it's just, there's so much to love about that time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I am definitely nostalgic for just that, the look and feel of movies like this, even if I don't like the movie in general. Certainly. Um, here's one last little tidbit that I have about uh, weird science as it pertains to this podcast. Um, so thus far, this is, this makes 12 movies we've watched for the show now. Mm-hmm. Um, have we had any crossover as far as like actors or anything like that between the episodes um, really quickly off the top of your head? If you can think no, of it, nothing off the top of my head. I don't think we have until now. Okay. Because, uh, Deb, the blonde girl that, uh, Anthony Michael Hall ends up with. Mm-hmm. I thought she looked really familiar. And after the movie, I looked her up. And I never would have guessed this, but goddamn, if she wasn't the main girl in Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Oh, shit. <laughs> Suzanne Snyder. Nice. Yeah. I think those yeah. might be the top two hits on her IMDb page, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, as thing, as shows go on, I'm, I'll be very curious to see, like, we should probably keep a running tally of actors. 
You know, like anyone that appears more than once. Especially for like the weird oddball movies we watch. Like if the the lead actor Lenny Von Dolan from Electric Dreams shows up anywhere. Who who like sounds just like uh, Jason Swimmer from Friends. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because uh, Megan heard me listen to in the background, and she's she's like, "Is that what's his name on the show?" Uh, I don't know, whatever his name is on Friends. Ross. Yeah, she's like, "Is that Ross?" And I'm like, "Who?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh." I was like, "No," but yeah, it does sound like him. Yeah, he's got like a very dry, monotone voice that almost doesn't even sound like he's acting. <laughs> mm-hmm. But big time. Yeah. But yeah, I thought that was something else of mm-hmm. all movies for us to double up on an actor from. Yeah. Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I, c- I can only hope as uh, the times go on, Bill Paxton just keeps adding add more roles. Oh, I we can always make any... that happen if we need to. <laughs> I'm just curious. I mean, he feels like one that's going to, not that I even can think of any off the top of my head that we have coming. Mm-hmm. He feels like he could certainly be up there. Bill Paxton's teeth. Mm. Were those are those his real fucking teeth? They looked so perfect. Uh, <laughs> well, it could be because if you think about a lot of movies in the eighties, especially now you see stuff in HD or whatever, people's teeth were rough. So I don't think people are getting their teeth done like they do nowadays. His teeth could not have been whiter or bigger or just more <laughs> perfect. Like uh. Uh, let's go with it yeah i'm gonna say i was thinking to myself like did he have gross teeth so they gave him like prosthetic teeth to wear or something because they just look too perfect i don't think that was a thing yet these are the things i think about when i'm watching like i'm not thrilled by attention (laughs) to detail judging the teeth of the actors that's my boy don't ever change (laughs) all right anything else to say about weird science let's get down to the nitty-gritty all right so, this I'm really curious to hear. I mean, in addition to what you said at the beginning of the show about not knowing what the clear winner is for you, mm-hmm. but uh, it's time to find out which one we're going to buy, which one we're going to borrow, and which one we're going to burn. You go first. All right. Um, I know that this is going to sound insane. I feel like <laughs> I haven't had like a normal logical order for my movies on any episode we've done yet. Mm-hmm. But honestly, legitimately based on enjoyment of these movies, I would buy zapped. I would borrow electric dreams and I would burn weird science. I right, really that would does sound insane. I mean, maybe for electric <laughs> dreams. Cause I didn't love that movie. It was like a weird curiosity. I'd been looking forward to it for a while and Mm -hmm. I didn't have any like preconceived notions of how I felt about it. Weird science. I was ready to reevaluate and be like, oh, it's not as bad as I remember. And even saying it's quote unquote bad isn't really accurate. It just it's not for me because of the weird psychopathic reasons that I already stated. Mm -hmm. But like Electric Dreams... I just, I definitely came away from that viewing enjoying it more than I did my time watching Weird Science. Hey, man. And I know that that makes me fucking crazy. <laughs> hey, this is the game we play here at Triple Threat. <laughs> so, where do you fall? I'm dying to know. Um, it was close to a toss up, but um, 
buying weird science, borrowing zapped, burning electric dreams. Fair Cle- enough. The whole clear winner part was really between Zapped and Weird Science. Because mm-hmm. Zapped was a new thing. I love that Zapped was even in the running, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, there's there's stuff goofingly. Like I said, I, I was like, just this is a goofball thing, and I'm into it. Mm-hmm. So there was plenty to like there. And still with Weird Science, how it's different. This isn't, and it's definitely, I'll as time goes on, I'll have, probably have no t- problem saying like something is a nostalgia pick. Sure. I don't necessarily think this is. It's more just like going into it, I would have expected like, oh, nothing's ever going to unsee Weird Science. I love that movie. And then mm-hmm. as I'm watching, it was the first one I rewatched. Where I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, what's happened? I also really do wonder. So like Zapped, Electric Dreams, and in my opinion, Weird Science, none of them are great movies. Right. Um, maybe one or one of them succeeds in what it's trying to do more than the other or whatever. But Weird Science does have that like cult fan base. Mm-hmm. Um. If Weird Science was in some alternate reality, exactly the same movie, but was as unknown as Electric Dreams, and I was watching it for the first time with like no real preconceived notions and no built-in love from other people, yeah, um, I wonder if I would like it more. I think I probably would because it's so fucking bonkers. Kind of yeah. like Zapped is so fucking weird. That's totally like what does it for me with the two of them. I'll just tell you, like Electric Dreams, I never got into it. I wasn't feeling it. The, I just feel like the the whole vibe of it was off the whole time for me. And I just mm-hmm. I just don't really feel like there's any like redeeming factors. I, I like hearing you talk about huh. it and like your journey with that movie is is more interesting to me than the movie itself. Yeah. So that's why that's just like an easy burn for me. It's just there's not enough. There. I wouldn't recommend it. I don't even know how to describe it. I will also clarify I don't think that Electric Dreams is a better film than Weird Science. Weird Science, in most ways, like nine out of ten ways, is a better movie. Mm-hmm. But I, I somehow ended up getting more enjoyment out of Electric Dreams than Weird hey, Science. I can appreciate that. I mean, really, and that's what... always what I judge stuff on, like my personal feeling versus like that weird kind of stepping outside yourself third person, like which one is the better movie? Like mm-hmm. I, I don't really care about that. Right, I, right, right. I just care about how I feel and how yeah. people I like and know feel. So right. like your experience with it, which is yeah. same like zapped. I mean, this, the whole middle of that movie feel like it was kind of a drag for me, but mm-hmm. like, I love the Scatman Scrothers stuff and, <laughs> I do love that if somebody were to listen to us, specifically you talk about uh, Zapped, and uh-huh. then was like, oh, I'm going to track that down and watch it, they'd probably be expecting him to be like the third build actor. Right. He's not in it that much. I mean, he's probably got six minutes of screen time. Less than ten. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But, it, you know, that's me, man. I'll just pick up the <laughs> Hey, pick up the I love it. Shit. That's great. Yeah. I just had to put that out there. Oh, I like it. But yeah, like that little stuff, this just funny little things and it's just weird shit that I wasn't into where weird science it still came down some pegs for me but still got the John Hughes-isms and Mm -hmm. I just really I liked Lisa and all that practical stuff made me enjoy it as an adult and that was what kind of came away with the win here fair enough so I can buy that. Yeah. I mean, I would recommend someone like any other child of the 80s or or older 
to be like, if you haven't seen Zapped, check that out. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Zapped is a fun curiosity. It's not something that I'm going to say like it's a great movie and you're no, going no, to love no, it no. on some level, but no. definitely as something that's not very well known. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, you know, it's some degree of hidden gem. It's not a diamond. It might be right. some sort of cubic zirconia, yeah. but it's, you know. It could be like a, one of those, like, turds that gets polished. and <laughs> Yeah. You know. If you've seen all the great comedies from the 80s, then Zapped is a decent film to give a shot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at this point. So. I agree. Uh, all right. Are you ready to... Uh... <sighs> Roll those uh, random number generating mm-hmm. dice and see what uh, we're watching next. I do. Um, just quick, quickly, are we still have not agreed on anything? Three for three, any episode? Oh right? no, no, I don't think we have. Okay, all right. I mean, there have been multiple cases, like what we were just, what I was just saying about, like me judging things based on how I felt versus like what logically makes sense. I feel like I have averted going the logical route every single time and always pick like a weird choice over what you might consider like me picking critters over gremlins i feel like 98 percent of people would not do that but i did yeah somehow it's on this show only am i the straight man (laughs) yes that's turning out to be the case Uh, hey that means I'm the host of two podcasts, and I'm not the straight man on either. I'm, oh, I love it. It's a trend that's happening. Uh-huh. All right, All right. Uh, let's let's, let's get it. that random number generated. All right, I'm hitting it. All right, Millsy. Yeah, you're gonna tell the people. Mm-hmm. We've got fifty-seven. Fifty-seven. <laughs> Our next episode. <laughs> Our next episode is The Nightly News. Man. That's what we will be watching next. Oh, boy. Uh, This one was all you, so. And now for something different. Yes. Uh, I am, I am, I will say that uh, after we had three straight episodes of like horror and monster movies, I love horror and monster movies, but this was never intended to be just like a horror podcast, so I'm glad that we got the crazy comedies. Right. Next episode, we will be tackling a genre we haven't done yet. So, and I have not seen any of these, so I'm I'm excited. I've seen two of the three. All right, perfect. So that's how we do it here. uh, Whenever it finally comes out, Mm -hmm. episode five of Triple Threat Theater will be the nightly news. And well, on that note, Mm -hmm. thanks for listening. Yes, I'm Joe Daxberger, Ryan Miller. Thanks for watching. That was one of the finest movies I've ever seen. They ought to make them all like that. None of this nonsense about social matters. People don't go to the movies to see how miserable the world is. They go there to eat popcorn and be happy. Be happy, 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 happy.